Yes, last week I had the Viking beard, and today I'm clean-shaved. I'm a new man. But I was already new in Christ, amen? Amen. Come on now. Today's disclaimer, I'm going to try to toggle two at one here, because I know sometimes I can go long-winded, and I don't want to do that. And I also know if I just sit here and I carry on while the girls are handing out the elements, and then I'll start, and it'll be five minutes, and I'll lose five minutes. So I'm just going to start, and then we'll pause when this all gets handed out. Today's disclaimer, I wrote, I wrote this for myself last night. Today's disclaimer, sometimes as a spiritual leader, I've found it difficult when teaching certain stories from Scripture. You're like, what? There's a lot of bloodshed, gore, tragic events, bad choices upon bad choices upon bad choices. Yet God always puts back the pieces of the puzzle for these people and the ones he's called and has plans for. It's difficult sometimes for new believers or non-believers to hear those kind of truths. It makes it difficult to talk about. Especially those who don't know God, his word, his son, his plan. It's difficult to teach that truth. There's always going to be pain and suffering and sometimes generational damage after. But God's plan still unfolds. Yes? Let me take a look at the life of David. David was king. David was the runt son <clears throat> David was the, remember, remember when, uh, thank you. You guys remember when, thank you. You guys remember when David, uh, when, let's just say, when Samuel came to anoint a king. And Jesse laid out all of his sons, except David. That's how David was overlooked. And we remember David's story. You remember David's story? Remember his brothers were getting ready to go to war, and he went out and brought them food. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? The runt, the one who was overlooked. And you remember what happened in that story? He slayed that giant. After he hit him in between the face with a rock, he went up and cut his head off with his own sword. It's difficult to teach these truths. Because some of us today live in this fantasy Christianity world where we say to ourselves, David should have prayed for Goliath. That's not love and tolerance and patience. When God tells you to slay a giant, you slay a giant. It's tough to teach these truths sometimes. And I see it week after week after week after week, you guys, when I'm up here. It's my disclaimer. I'm reading these stories from Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, and and I'm listening to all these people that come in their path, and you're like, these people are so innocent. What did they do to deserve what happens to them over and over and over? What's a question that we're going to all have for God one day? Because I can't answer it perfectly. I can tell you that God has a plan, and it's constantly unfolding. 
I wrote, it's easy to speak and teach love, favor, grace, mercy, tolerance, patience, virtues, love, love, love. It's easy to do that if I was just reading from the New Testament all the time. But it's not easy when you're reading it from the Old Testament. It's not. It's not easy unless you dive in and you really seek out what God's unstoppable plan is for us. And that's why we're going through this journey through this Old Testament. But it's difficult sometimes when I get up here and I read this stuff and I'm like, man, that sounded like fire and brimstone today, Chris. That was pretty harsh. But again, pain, suffering, generational damage came from a lot of these bad decisions that these individuals made. So now we're going to, uh, are all the elements distributed? Everybody's got bread and wine? I'm just kidding, it's juice. You ladies, make sure to get one. Here, sweetie. You got it? Okay. I normally read from Paul, but today we're going to read from Jesus. Luke 22, 17 to 20, then he took the cup. And gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Father, I thank you, Lord that you sent your son, Lord, to die on the cross for us, Lord. A sinner's death, Lord, a, a criminal's death, a, 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 a death that was not deserved, Lord. And you put yourself in that position for us, Lord, and you shed. You let your body be broken, and this bread that we're going to take represents that. And this, this juice that we're going to drink, Lord, represents the blood shed, Lord, the blood that, that makes us clean, Lord. So I thank you for this, and I thank you for this church family. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have the bread, and then you may have the cup. I think, don't sit on that, Greg. I think in the future, I'm going to do my best to remind myself to let those online know that we'll be doing communion the next Sunday. So that way they can have time to get themselves some elements ready for that as well. Do this in remembrance of me. I like that. That leads into my message where I put in my little talking points before we get soon to close Jacob. Another full disclaimer, if you look in the notes today and you look at the Bible verse, somewhere in the middle there, you're going to see the number 16. That's all we're reading to today. We're just reading to verse 16 or through 15. How often do we forget the promises of God? Do this in remembrance of me. We do that once a month. We partake in the coming of the Lord's return once a month. We do it in remembrance of what he did for us, and we do it once a month. Yes? 
We come to church. If you read my post this morning, every Sunday, it's not negotiable. I treat church and my service work at church. Before I was a pastor, I treat it like work. It's not negotiable. I don't make plans on Sunday, ever. In 15 years, I don't make plans on Sunday. If I make plans on Sunday, it's after church. It's Timmy's birthday party. I'll be there too. I've always been that way. So we come week after week after week after week after week. But how often do we forget the promises of God? Daily. I feel like daily we can forget these promises. We got it better than anybody ever had it. In today's modern era, 2022, you have it better than anybody's ever had it in history. But we forget the promises of God. Is that what I sound like? Just kidding. We used to have answering machines back in the 90s, and you would hear yourself on that. It was really scary. So it seems that we come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, yet we walk through life full of fear, doubt, disbelief, and we don't ever just look back at the promises of God. What has God promised you? Where did he promise it to you? What altar did you build in your life when he made that promise to you? And what do you do to remember it? What are you doing in your life besides coming here each week to remember the promises of God? Oh, no, I'm waiting for answers. No, I'm kidding. What are you doing each week besides coming here to remember and lean on the promises of God? What are you doing in your life to stay on the path God set you on? I go to church every Sunday. Mm. Is that it? Oh, Chris, that's a lot. That was a bold statement. Maybe it was. What's keeping you from veering left or right from God's promises? We have God's word. It's printed on paper. It's printed in every language on earth. It's in your phone. It's on your tablet. You can watch it on TV all day. They have channels dedicated to church, to worship, to God's word. You got it on the radio. It's on your social media. You got six people, five of them you're getting ready to block because they text you every day with some big prayer chain. It's in your face all day, every day. You have it better than any generation ever has before us. Yet a majority of the believers I speak to on a constant, when I listen to them speak, I basically feel like they feel like God has abandoned them. Why is that? Oh, life's so tough. Oh, you know, poor me. Oh, it's just so much. I'm trying to do too much. 
Oh, work so hard. I'm so stressed out. Man. It's a lot of us. When I look at the lives of the early fathers of our righteousness, they didn't have any of the resources I just listed to you. They didn't have worship on Sunday. They didn't have people singing praises. They didn't turn on the radio and hear somebody singing Waymaker. They didn't have Skip up there playing his guitar, praising God in front of them. They didn't have that. They didn't have a Bible. They were going to be the Scripture. There was no Scripture. The first five books were written by Moses. Moses hasn't even come into the story yet. They did not have the resources that you have today. Did they forget God's promises? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Disclaimer, it's difficult to teach this stuff. But it's there, black and white, in every one of the books that you have. Open it up, Genesis, it's right there. These people went years without hearing, seeing, or probably thinking about God. Whoa, Chris. Huh? Prove it. I will today. Years without thinking about God. Forgetting the promise. Because you know something? So everybody knows this about me. Generally you do. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I've been without a drink 11 years. You know why I go to AA still? Because the minute I stop going, I forget I have a problem and I tell myself I'm cured and I tell myself I might be okay if I have a drink again. Did you know that? You know what happens when I don't go to church every Sunday? I forget. Exact same thing. And we're no different. You're all highly intelligent people. We all suffer from this. We're closing up. We're getting ready to close the spotlight on Jacob. We're going to read in the story today about how he was reminded by God again, 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 of the promises. I have a personal relationship with a lot of you. When I come up and remind you of something that we talked about last week, do you know why I'm reminding you? Because I think you forgot. I could twist it all the way around. Well, I wanted to make sure you remembered, or I know you've had a lot on your mind. No. Just cut to the chase, Chris. It's because you think I forgot. You are absolutely right. And this is something I talked to you about last week. Last week. Just a few days ago. Last week.
Well, today we're going to see how Jacob had to be reminded again of his promises. We're going to hear the phrase, building altars, again. I talked about building altars in your life before this series. I think when Pastor Mark was still here, I did a series on building altars in our life. We build altars in our life to remember and go back to. If I come and I build an altar here because God rescued me from something, when I'm living in this life, as long as I can return to this altar, this altar represents what? It represents that promise and that act that God performed in my life, and it helps me to not forget That's why they built these altars. So I ask you again, what altars are you building in your life? What altars are built in your life to remember the promises of God? Beginning reading. Remember, we're reading up to that number 16. Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an altar there to God. Now, we'll stop there really quick. You recall when he first went to Bethel? He built a pillar there. Now he is building an altar there. In the same place that he's already done this, Forget much? Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother? When I remind you of something, it is because I think you have forgotten. And God, who is infinitely smarter than I am, is reminding and telling him what happened there. Because he's quite certain that Jacob has forgotten. Well, why, Chris? Because over 20 years have passed. Well over 20 years. You forget God's promises that he made you last month. You forget that interaction that you had in that one intersection where you started to daydream and the light turned green and somebody honked at you and somebody flew through the intersection on the red and you were like, wow, If I'd actually been paying attention, I would have driven through that intersection and got smashed right now. God totally protected me from that. And in three weeks, you'd some gone. Gone. It only comes and goes. But it was an amazing, miraculous moment, yes? But you forget it. Why? Because on top of all those things I told you that you have to look at God and his word and the church and what we're doing... The social media, the TV, the news, the radio, all those things are distracting you and taking you away from the altars built in your life. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, best part, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Why were they being told to put away their foreign idols? Because God and his promises are on a back burner. 
And this is the way they're living. They're living with their riches, their TVs, their swimming pools, their money, their estates, their idols, their false gods, and they are in the thick of it. And God showed up and said, I need you to return to Bethel and make an altar there at the place where I rescued you. You remember where I saved you from the face of your brother? Oh, hey guys, we got to go. We got to get rid of all this, all this nonsense that's going on in our lives. We got to get rid of this. We got to purify ourselves and then we got to go. That urgency came over him. But why was it going on? Why was there idolatry going on? Why was there foreign gods among them? Because the true living God was not at the top of the throne. Period. Period. If he had been, there wouldn't be any foreign gods. And who do you think he's talking to? Who do you think he's talking to in the story? Do you think he's talking to the slaves that work for him? Do you think he's talking to his son's wives? No. He's talking to his 11 sons. That's who he's talking to. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of, God, terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Remember Simeon and Levi just wiped out all of Hammer and Shechem? You remember this? Last week? Simeon and Levi? Right? Slaughtered everybody? Took all their goods? Tough to teach those stories, remember? I'm trying to tell you that. It's tough to tell you a story like God blessed these people and took care of them, and this is the things they did. Simeon and Levi were removed from the blessing, though. Remember I said they acted on their own ambitions and not the actions or the orders of God or their father. But so moving on. Moving on before I get in the weeds here. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. This would be his children, their wives now, and all the people that work for him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there a God appeared to him where he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah... Rebecca's nurse, this would be his mother's nurse, most likely almost like a second mother to him, and Esau. This is why I think this woman's name is in the story. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alan Bachuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again. We are such forgetful people. If I show up to tell you something, it's because I think you forgot. Is that what you do to your kids? Darn skippy. Hey, just making sure that this room got cleaned up. Hey, got your homework done already, right? Because we need to go. I'm not asking. I'm checking. Because I think it's not done. That's what fathers do. 
So, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam, Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Second time this happened, but now it's permanent. And God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel, house of God. Hey, you're not going to be called Jacob anymore. You're going to be called Israel. And do you remember who I am? I am God Almighty. Let me remind you of that because you are a forgetful species. You are a forgetful people. Conscious sin, unconscious sin. Sometimes you think about it, sometimes you don't. Next week we'll finish from 16 on through the rest. But today we'll go through our notes and I'll send you all home. This was some of the stuff I pulled out of the story. Bullet point one, this will wind down our story of Jacob. And first we will focus on his completion of the tasks. Completion of the tasks. Jacob's story is very interesting. There's... Stuff that happens in Jacob's story that's difficult to teach. Steals the brother's birthright. Deceives the father. Gets done dirty up by his uncle over the wives. Just interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yet God had a plan for Jacob, just like God has a plan for you. God has a plan for this entire world. So, bullet point A, Jacob was back home in the land of promise. This was part of the completion of the tasks. You remember, he left his father's home, never to see his mother again. He's just now returning home, back to the land of promise, as he fled from his brother over 20 years ago. I can't give you a specific timeline because I don't know how much time he spent in the area of Hammer and Shechem before moving on. Doesn't really tell us. But we know he spent 20 years with Laban. So this is over 20 years. So now he's finally back home in the land of promise. He has followed the instructions of God, amen? Everything that God has instructed him to do He's done it. Everywhere God's told him to go, he's gone. What else did was a completion of the task? Well, he acquired all his wealth and family. He was going to be also like Abraham, the father of a great nation. So part of his task 
was to have all of his children. And remember, this came at a strange thing. Because remember when he went to Laban, he wanted Rachel. And who did he end up with? Leah. And who gave him six children? Leah. Bullet point C, victory was won. The goal achieved and the promise fulfilled. He'd had victory over all the obstacles in his life. The goal of building a family and wealth was done. And the promise given to him by God to return to the land of promise was fulfilled. Well done, Jacob. This story also has a theme of correction. It has the entire series. A theme of correction. Bullet point A, what I pulled out of today when I was thinking about those, that idolatry and that need to purify themselves, the family had not completely held to the walk of faith. God was not the focal point. He would probably move his family somewhere and go, this is where God wants us to be, and then they would get there, and then they would just live there. You saw his daughter. That's how the defilement happened for Dina, yes? Because she wanted to go and be a part of what was going on. Fell in love with that rich prince. Idols had to be buried, and later, we already know about Simeon and Levi, but later even Reuben will have to be dealt with. Three of his 12 sons, and so far in the story you only know of 11. The 12th son has not been born yet. He will not be born until next week. So you got to come back for that, okay? And he's the star of the next, like, few months. Thank you. So don't miss next week because the star is born. Your first image of a savior. Joseph was the first biblical image of a savior. I've shared that with you how many times? Enough times, but guess why I said it? Because I thought you forgot. <laughs> I love you guys. God had to remind Jacob of his forgotten vows. Making Yahweh his God. Making Bethel God's house again. Go to Bethel. Go to the place where I saved you. I'm gonna, we're going to go back to the place where God rescued me in my day of distress. And he'd already put a, built a pillar there in the past. And now he's building an altar there. Bethel, house of God. Does anybody remember the other vow he made to God? He vowed to tithe to God. I didn't write that in there, but I'm just reminding you. He wrote that. Number four, Jacob should have traveled to Beersheba, his parents' home, and not to Shechem. Why, Chris? Well, it would have avoided Dina's defilement, and it might have avoided some idolatry. Not to say that I don't think their idolatry didn't come with them from the land of Laban. But when he was returning home, think about it, we've read this for the last few weeks. When he was returning home, instead of avoiding his brother, he went to see his brother and reconcile 
But he did it out of fear, and a lot of fear moves. We read all about it. And then when he left his brother, instead of going to his father's place, he went to this other land. He went to Shechem. And he bought land there from Shechem, Hammer's son, right? Remember this? He went there and bought land. Why didn't he just go to where his father was and avoided all this? I don't know. Your pastor doesn't have the answer. I'm just telling you it's in the story. We all know why. The reality is if you try to read between the lines, he did it because that's just the decision he made. He avoided going back home. He avoided going back home and it didn't turn out well. Dina was defiled and and Simeon and Levi wiped out a people. Are we on five? Yes. Jacob needed to complete his vows. That's why God reminded him of the vows. He needed to remove the idols. He needed to return to Bethel. He needed to build an altar there again so that he could remember. And remember he told, he, remember he told the, the, his sons, we need to purify ourselves. This purification was instructive for Israel as they would need to purify themselves later before entering the land of promise. You know what later I'm talking about? Later after 40 years of wandering in the desert. They would have to purify themselves. Boy, I'm excited to get into Exodus and the law. Ooh, some deep stuff in there. All of it points to the cross. All of it. All of that stuff points to your salvation. At Bethel, God confirmed the promise. How did he do that? Well, when he showed up, Jacob was renamed Israel permanently. God referred to himself as the Almighty declaring his ability to fulfill the promise. I'm not just God. I'm not the God that keeps showing up and telling you I'm God. I am God Almighty. I am the one who's going to do all these things I've said. That's who God declared himself to be. God again promises Jacob many descendants, but this time, never to Abraham, never to Isaac, and never before to Jacob, has kings, kings was added to his offspring. He says, kings will come from you. Jacob was faithful through some rough times, bad choices. Jacob made bad choices. Jacob deceived his brother. Jacob deceived his father. Jacob left. Jacob was deceived by his uncle. He went through tough times. He didn't love his first wife. He didn't. Favoritism. Jacob had a rough life, but at the end, it was well done, good and faithful servant. Yes? God again promises Jacob many descendants, but as kings added to his offspring. What altar can you build in your life this week and lie on to remember the promises of God? God has challenged us through his word ever since it went into paper. 
Today, your pastor challenges you with this. Go home this week and build an altar in your life to remember what God has promised you. And your homework is to come tell me about it. Go home this week and build an altar in your life to remember God's promises to you. And come back and tell me about it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the Old Testament, Lord God, that we can learn so much about human nature, Lord God. We can learn so much about why you created a plan to rescue us from ourselves, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you've put and given us the ability to build altars in our life that we can anoint and remember you, Lord. And we can lean on that promise, Lord, of when you rescued us from a day of distress. Whatever it may be, Lord God, whatever it is that you saved us from, Lord God, wherever it was that you showed up in our life and you said to us individually, you looked right into our heart and you said, I'm your God. I am God Almighty. I love you and I'm saving you and I'm rescuing you from this today. Today is a new day in your life. Whatever that altar is, Lord, I just pray that you put it on their hearts, Lord God. Send us out this week. Help us to build this altar and erect it for you in our heart, Lord God. I thank you in advance for these people. I thank you in advance for this week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.